0: Welcome to Common Rider Double A, the podcast where it's time for a revolution. A sword legend revolution.
1: The most revolutionary.
0: I am your host, Anna, and this is my co-host.
1: Adam, except no substitutes.
0: I have some bad news then. I'm sorry, this is going to be your last uh, episode with the show. I'm afraid you're being replaced by Hayden.
1: Oh yeah? Well, I hope he has fun compiling notes and writing recaps and...
0: Oh no! You're still going to be doing that. If you if you stop doing that, then you then you're you are going to be sued for five million dollars.
1: I didn't sign a contract, though. Not that you remember. Dear God, she has hands everywhere.
0: Today we are going to be uh, watching episodes thirty six, Revolution Sword Legend, and episode thirty seven, Triangle Behead the King. And let me tell you. I forgot that the thing that happens at the very end of these episodes happened. I, I thought this happened in like five episodes.
1: Do you mean the introduction of of the king from nineteen eighty six?
0: No, I mean, I mean I mean the trio finding out about each other. Wataru uh, and the Arms Monsters. No, uh, Wataru, Mio, and Taiga. I, I forgot that they that they figured out each other's identities so soon. But it's not really soon. We only have 12 episodes left in the season.
1: Yeah. So, who wrote and directed this one?
0: Uh, written by Toshiki Inoue and directed by Shojiro Nakazawa. Uh, we have seen him twice before, uh, which is Fanfare The Queen's Awakening and uh, Metronome Miraculous Memory, which were the uh, episodes where the Spider Fangire died and Natoya had the uh, amnesia.
1: Right. I think Nakazawa pretty sufficiently carried over the dramatic weightiness for when it comes to his direction anyway
0: honestly, I'm surprised that uh that it wasn't Re Sasaki, the guy that did the first episode because there are a few kind of callbacks to that first episode. I mean, I think maybe just one, but it's a pretty heavy callback that is pretty weighty. the neighbors, yeah, the neighbors like. First episode, Watsuru like, cannot handle the neighbors, and Shizuka has to take care of it. This time, uh, Shizuka, like, shows up trying to try and take care of it, and Wataru is just like, no, it's okay, I've got this. And he's able to talk to them, because, like, he's starting to get better about his
1: anxiety. Yeah, that is quite true. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into the recap. Episode 36 starts with Watsuru playing the restored Bloody Rose in his workshop. The doorbell rings, and Shizuka answers it. Watchers neighbors are once again being a nuisance. They demand that Watcheru stop playing the violin so loudly.
0: Can you lower the volume of a violin?
1: I played the viola in middle school, but that's been a very long time. Could you adjust the volume? There wasn't a knob on it, at least not for volume. Like,
0: d- does it depend on how much, like, violin energy you put into it?
1: <laughs> yeah, even then, if... If a violin were being played indoors, I don't think it would matter that much. I, the Wataru lives behind a gate. His house is behind a gate, that, rather. And th- that's a fair distance from the neighbors. I don't think it would matter. I don't think any amount of noise a violin can make from that house would be t- very much of an annoyance. Well,
0: you forgot about one thing. Yeah. This is the bloody rose, which amplifies a person's uh, violin energy tenfold.
1: Uh, It's ten times louder. Of course. I thought the neighbors just wanted to be assholes for a minute, but... That's
0: entirely possible.
1: But yeah, Shizuka tries telling the neighbors off, but Watru comes out and politely apologizes. The neighbors accept this, and the encounter ends amicably. Kivat remarks to Shizuka on how much Watru has grown, but Shizuka responds that she feels a bit lonely.
0: Yeah, she's becoming an empty nester. Also, fuck those neighbors. I, I bet they didn't even care about the violin. I bet they were just there because, like, oh, it's Wataru. We can yell at him and he won't say anything. And then the moment he, like, speaks up, they're like, oh, okay, bye. Because they're, they realize they can't get away with their shit anymore.
1: After the OP, we go to the interior of Castle Doran, where the arms monsters are examining the newly revealed sword that's embedded inside the wall. Jiro reveals that this is the Zonbot Sword, the ancestral weapon of the Fengire Kings. Ramon and then Ricky attempt to pull the sword out, but they both fail to do so. Jiro deduces that the sword must choose its wielder.
0: When Ramon fails it, it's like, oh, okay, Ramon failed it. He's he's, he's a scrawny-ass punk. That makes sense. But then when Ricky failed it, it's like, oh, shit, Ricky couldn't pull that out? Oh, it definitely has, like, an Excalibur to it.
1: Later, Bishop is meeting with Tyga. Bishop asks Tyga if he should continue preparations for the wedding with Mio, an event that constitutes an important tradition for the entire Fangire race.
0: This is confirmation that Bishop is in charge of the matchmaking for the Fangires. He straight up says... Listen, this is very important to me. I put so much work into this. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I love this headcanon we created of Bishop, the Cupid for Iris, creator <laughs> of the ice cream social. And I love that the series is providing evidence for it.
1: I have to know, I know it's spoilerific, but is the wedding between Taiga and Mio an event that well, that Wateru is going to be like? running into yelling, I object.
0: But it turns out that him and Donkey arrived too late and Donkey was like, well, hold up. I think they already passed the objection part.
1: Well, if it does happen, if the wedding happens in this series, I if there is not a single scoop of ice cream and a shot, it could be anywhere in the shot. It could be in the far off background. It, it could be like, it could accidentally be a person, one of the crew just accidentally being in the shot and just, having a pint. There just has to be ice cream in there. It, I don't care how much.
0: TA is just in the background shoveling spoonfuls of ice cream from a tub into their face.
1: <laughs> That's the situation you're suggesting? It has to happen. This headcanon must be validated further.
0: I will say, at the very least, I will have some ice cream on the, on the wedding episode. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll just get a nice-ass bowl... Put some strawberry syrup on it.
1: Ugh, I don't, I don't care for strawberry.
0: Well, you're wrong.
1: So much of me is. But yeah, this constitutes an important tradition for fangires. Tyga gives the go-ahead, and the scene ends with Bishop ominously pushing up his glasses.
0: Ben's just happy that uh, he managed to arrange a marriage after so long.
1: yeah. We cut to Mio, who tries stealing herself to finally tell taiga about who she really loves. She meets taiga in that weird empty restaurant with
0: all the, all the waiters just lining up behind like next to them like that would that's so uncomfortable, right?
1: yeah, that's so oh, I don't like it i I get uncomfortable if I'm eating in an in, empty restaurant,
0: especially especially if everyone is staring at you. Like, I think this proves that Taiga is, like, inhuman because he does not realize how anxiety-inducing that is.
1: Totally, yeah. Taiga asks Mio for her opinion on what wedding dress she'd like to wear. Mio at last lets it be known that she's in love with someone else. Taiga seemingly plays this all off by apologizing for being too forward with Mio.
0: And ripping apart the... He rips apart the, the like, design, yeah. designs and throws... Not just that, he calls a waiter to summon a waste basket for him, and then tears him up, throws him in, and is like, sorry, I was a bit too forward, wasn't I? And it's like, dog, those are beautiful designs, Don't so just destroy them. I'd say over-under chances are he did kill the person that designed those because, like, it advanced humanity too much.
1: <laughs> well, these... The... These wedding dress designs are too fashionable. With this, grooms will be too horny. They'll they'll end up boinking their wives as soon as they get on the honeymoon. (laughs) They'll make more humans. They'll advance human evolution. (laughs)
0: Wait, God. Tyga, no, you don't, that's not, that's not, no, you have to listen to me, Bishop. I I know how it works. I... (laughs) I was raised by humans or something. I don't remember. That was something they mentioned way back when.
1: Uh beautiful. Taiga tears apart the designs for the wedding dresses. Mio leaves and Taiga slams his fist on the table, declaring that this is Senai.
0: Uh Adam, just so you know, I was also going to shout Yurasenai. <laughs> I was just <laughs> watching some anime and I was like, oh, I love it when they say things are unforgivable. Yes, like I know this is I know this is but like an anime, they make it so dramatic. It's like unforgivable. I love it so much. That that that's the kind of earnestness of emotion you can't get in most. In what Western television show would you have someone just shout unforgivable?
1: I, Law and Order, maybe. <laughs> like during the courtroom, like a the vi- murder victim's uh, sibling or spouse just the murderer gets acquitted and they just they just bolt up in the courtroom and yell unforgivable fair enough
0: i guess that is a situation where a western tv show would have somebody shout
1: unforgivable did you think that taiga was going to kill all the waiters as soon as Mio was out of there
0: honestly i didn't think of that but now that you say it i i can see how easily that would have happened
1: i thought for sure that that's what was going to happen like, as soon as she's out the door, the little fangire fangs will just materialize and start poking them all, turning them to glass. For the next scene, Bishop walks into Maya's hermit cave and asks her if she knows Wataru. Bishop successfully puts together that because Maya was capable of bestowing Kiba's armor, and because she had a relationship with a human man, the current Kiva, Wataru Kurenai, is actually her son. Dun-dun-dun! Maya neither confirms nor denies this. We transition to 1986 where Otoya and Maya are sharing a drink in celebration of the Bloody Rose's completion. Otoya tries telling Maya that this will be the last time they meet since Otoya already has a faded woman in Yuri. Maya replies in saying that Otoya still owes her a concert. To this, Otoya takes up the Bloody Rose and places it for Maya. While this is happening, Yuri is eavesdropping on them.
0: I like that Otoya is faithful to Yuri because I think it was episode two it was the or three, maybe it was the lawyer episode. So episode three, Otoya like goes up to Maya and is like, or goes up to a random woman is like, oh, you're my faded woman, goes to a second woman right after, then goes to Yuri. Like here, it shows that he's grown because he's like, no, Yuri is my faded person. I'm not going to just leave her and understand that the situation we have is a bit sexually charged. I'm just going to end it here, now that we're done making the demon violent.
1: Fortunately for Yuri, she has an outlet for her rage in the Ratfangire, which I at first thought was a crow. It, it has a beak and everything. I think that's meant to be like the pointed
0: face of the rodent. Also, do you want to know this guy's true name? Black Death. Yep. Do you look these up? You're not supposed to look these up.
1: Sometimes I do. Stop it. <laughs> she chases down the Ratfangire and slashes the shit out of it a bit before it flees, leaving Yuri to her sorrow. The
0: person who voiced the Ratfangire was Ryozo Ishino, who voiced uh, Chang Fei in Gundam Wing.
1: In 2008, is meeting with Wateru at Maldamore. Dumbass Taiga reveals that Mio is in love with someone else, and he asks if Wataru knows who this might be. Wataru denies any knowledge.
0: This is, why, this is why I love Kiva. It's so soap opera. Well, this and the next scene.
1: At a shrine, Kiske makes an offering and asks the Divine why they arranged fate so that Iksa would be taken away from him.
0: No, no, that's not great what he does. What he does is say, God, why did you give this fate to me? You have made a mistake. Rectify it. He doesn't he he doesn't ask for a change in fate. He says, hey God, you fucked up. I'm Casey Nago. You realize this isn't what's supposed to happen to me, right?
1: Then Megami pops up behind him and kind of rubs the whole thing in his face. And <laughs> she asks if he's troubled, and he's like, No, my life is perfect.
0: I I, I love that Megami avenged her mother. And now she's just living her best life. Well, eventually her grandmother, I mean. But Megumi is now living her best life. Like, she is conscience-free, no guilt weighing her down. She's just here, and she's having a blast.
1: Just trolling Keisuke. Yeah,
0: she's already gone through the rest of her character development. So it's like, yeah, I'm just here waiting until the end of the series, and I'm going to enjoy myself all the while.
1: She doesn't really have much else to do, though, and that's a little disappointing. She's kind of underserved by the writing.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, 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 I think Megami being like underserved by the writing is really highlighted by the fact that Yuri is such a central character. Because Megami is not half as important a character as Yuri is. Unfortunately, it just that's just how it ended up playing out. You know, with the way the story was written. Unfortunately.
1: Kesuke takes one of those coin-operated paper fortunes, but he gets one that says bad luck. He tries again and continues to get bad <laughs> luck.
0: Not just bad luck; it's like poor luck, horrible luck. And you have a slight—you have a slight misinformation uh, here. Megumi doesn't get good luck; she gets tiny luck. She gets a modicum amount of luck. And Kesuke goes. Only the bourgeoisie get excited about a tiny luck. Then continues, fails, and just turns like a, like an owl right towards Megami. Give me the tiny luck! Give it to me!
1: Yeah, Keisuke tries stealing it from her, and, and that's the scene. <laughs> they make... Imagine telling us from, like,
0: episode 15 that this is what Keisuke becomes. <laughs>
1: This, this cool stoic paragon of virtue is just, is reduced to...
0: Give me the tiny luck! <laughs> yes!
1: Uh beautiful. Later, Wataru and Taiga are watching Mio from behind some bushes. Like, the most amateurish stalkers ever. I mean, character consistency. Wataru did that in, like, episode two. Well, no, he did it with the sheep Bangire. That, no, sorry, that was
0: later than episode two, because... One and two are both standalones. Uh, three and four were the uh, person known as uh, the horrible lawyer.
1: Natsukawa.
0: How do you remember that? And then five and six were introducing Keisuke because they see the in episodes uh, three and four. And the Keisuke intro were was the ones with the stalker.
1: Kego Angry Tate comes walking up and he and Mio talk a bit. Mio asks Kengo for his advice on her relationship troubles. Kengo asks to take their conversation elsewhere. They move, and Kengo admits that he's loved Mio ever since they first met at that cafe.
0: By the way, can I say that Mio doesn't know that that Kengo went through, like, bastardization school. So she doesn't think, so she thinks like, all right, it's time to talk with my favorite rocker boy, the sweet man that's a good friend to me and Watchvu. Then she shows up and why is this man wearing military fatigues and why is his hair like that? <laughs> and it's like, all right, all right, hold up. Maybe he just had like maybe just came from a costume party.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: and then turns so out he's a giant take back now. Yep. At least all he did was like hug her.
1: Yeah. He forcibly embraces her and gets interrupted by Taiga. Kengo and Taiga look as though they're about to come to blows, but Wataru comes between them. Taiga leaves with Mio, while Kengo punches Wataru and tells him to get lost.
0: Kengo's only purpose in these two episodes is to punch people, insult them, and then leave.
1: While Taiga and Mio are walking off, Taiga asks if Kengo is really the one Mio loves. Mio denies that being the case, and she runs off. Walks into Jiro, who summons Castle Durand from beneath the ground. They go inside, and the arms monsters ask Wataru if he can draw Zanbot from the wall. Wataru tries, but fails to do so.
0: I like that he didn't succeed on his first attempt.
1: It does kind of make make it more meaningful when he does succeed. Wataru leaves Castle Durand and runs into Mio. They share a meaningful glance, but Mio gets jumped by the rat Fangire. Wataru henshines into Kiva and kills the rat, just as the fight seems won. Kiva gets jumped by two more rat fangires who double-team him.
0: Rat bastard.
1: This is the first time we've we've seen uh, multiple instances or...
0: Of the same species? Think,
1: yeah, of the same fangire, I believe.
0: I believe the implication is because he's a rat, his special ability is multiply. Maybe. Uh, and, and that is what it is. It's it's one fangire that can multiply into multiple.
1: Oh, they're not brothers or something? No, huh.
0: I mean, otherwise, like, they they keep on losing brothers, but they keep on showing up with more and more brothers.
1: Uh, I see. Yeah, that I guess that makes sense. Before the rats can inflict too much damage on Kiva, however, Taiga walks up and henchings into Saga. Saga proceeds to whip the two rat fangires off of Kiva and tries fighting Kiva himself. At this point, Saga du- kind of dwarfs Kiva in power and skill. So when Saga picks up one of those glass guns, the f- first direct Fengar used, Kiva uses the smoke generated by the gun to run away.
0: Watu doesn't want to fight right now. What he wants to do is make sure Mio is okay.
1: Having de Watu runs to Mio's unconscious body. Mia wakes up and finally admits to Watu that he's the one she loves. Being close by and having heard this, Saga D de- henshins into Taiga, who despairs at this revelation.
0: I love it. Love wins. I mean, not really, because this is a terrible situation that's only going to get worse, but Waturu knows, and it's just good to know that.
1: We time-position to the 1986 Castle Duran, where Maya picks up and holds baby Taiga. We cut to a figure who has Zonbot holstered to his side, walking through the halls. This figure walks into the room that Maya and Taiga occupy, and he greets Maya. Maya then addresses this man as king, and so ends the episode. The king in 1986, I have to say he looks like some kind of glam rocker or visual K artist.
0: Pretty sure he's based off of David Bowie, his design.
1: Really? Well, I didn't anticipate that
0: an interesting design to say the very least
1: yeah he's very from what i've seen of him so far he's very cold and menacing but also flamboyant
0: so my rider of the week i'm gonna say mio because i can't choose between mio for speaking up for herself and saying i don't love you and then saying i love wataru uh that i love wataru but i also want to apply to for Showing that character development where he can just go outside and be like, I'm sorry, I'll try to keep the noise down without being flustered.
1: Right. As for me, this is more on the production end as opposed to the story end. But I think the Rat Fang guy or suit design perfectly balances aesthetics and uh, and being simple enough so that you can make multiple instances of, of one suit. And I, I kind of applaud that.
0: The Rat Fangire is so good.
1: With just one Rat Fangar, it's just like a, a low mid-tier Fangire, but the problem is there's so many of them.
0: But all of them working together with their weapons and stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, no, you need King Form or Emperor Form to, uh, like, handle them all.
1: Who's your monster?
0: I'm gonna say Kengo. Partially because, like, in both episodes, he he's only there to just punch people and walk away.
1: I'm pretty close to that. I'm giving it to Tyga and Kengo. Taiga mainly for his possessive attitude and considering his relationship with Mio as something he's entitled to as king, and Kengo for being kind of rapey.
0: Everyone's just looking at Mio like she's a prize to be won. No, she isn't. She's her own person. You know, kind of interestingly enough, Watcher's the only person that respects her choices but several times because he has no confidence, he misinterprets them like the time where uh, they were on the uh, spinny cups and Taiga was watching them because I guess that's what he's into. And she's like, oh, the one I like is I also like Taiga. Yes. Yes, Mio. Taiga's great. We spinning like but he's he's the person that like would if Mio did say I love someone else would just be like,
1: OK, right. To the Terra I'm giving the reversed moon to the weird love dodecahedron that's all the men around Mio are forming. According to askastrology.com, when applied to questions about love and relationships, the reversed moon suggests your emotions regarding your partner are confused. There may be resentment you need to understand and address. It is possible you may have to recognize that your feelings have changed and not for the better. Betrayal may be occurring.
0: That's, that's a good tarot. I also like that you're starting to apply the tarots to situations and not just characters. Oh, yeah. I think that gives you a lot more room to like find something that really fits well.
1: I need to branch out into the minor arcana as well, because there's only 22 major ones, but...
0: Yeah. I, I I don't think either of us have ever thought out any of our segments. Like, what the hell is Lucifer Metal? was unsustainable because there's only so much Lucifer Metal and all of it's uninteresting. Yeah. And meanwhile there are only twenty-two major arcana.
1: Don't worry, folks. We're gonna have better segments next season.
0: Don't lie to them.
1: What's your episode rating?
0: Uh my episode rating probably gonna be eight eight out of ten. Really good episode. So sometimes it felt it felt a little bit like the uh like the case case stuff was out of place just because the rest of it is very hyper dramatic and, and because it's just like a scene plopped in there it doesn't flow as well like i i loved it but at the same time it does take away from the flow of the episode
1: yeah it was mainly just comedic filler it was it was fun to have but it's just maybe at a another episode arc or so I, I feel the world is better for having that scene
0: in it, but I feel the episode is poor.
1: I have the same rating, 8 out, of, 8 out of 10. I'm glad we're getting some progression with the whole love triangle, and seeing Kiva and Saga fight was uh, pretty cool too. All right, so now we're moving on to episode 37 of Common Rider Kiva, Triangle Behead the King.
0: Yeah, now that we're done with the first episode, you all know, heard our advertisement for Blue Apron.
1: <laughs> we're not. No one's pimping us out to the good sponsors yet.
0: Wait, you mean you mean the Dollar Shave Club uh, sponsorship fell through?
1: Dr. Carver was disappointed in us. We ain't getting any shave butter, I'm afraid.
0: God, shave butter just sounds so dirty of a word. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I very much don't like the term... Shave butter. You don't? No, it's it sounds disgusting. It sounds like something oddly sexual, but something only like mega perverts would use.
1: <laughs> it's just shaving cream.
0: I, I, I know the one I call. It sh- Why are you calling it shave butter? Like,
1: because <laughs> it's buttery smooth, I guess. Oh.
0: <laughs> God! Every description of it makes me feel like. Spiders are crawling underneath my skin.
1: <laughs> but yes, do we have the same writer-director duo as last time?
0: Uh, yep, yeah, Toshiki and Shojiro. Cool. Uh, also, uh, Triangle Behead the King, episode 37, aired October 19th, 2008. And the previous episode aired October 12th.
1: Alrighty. For the cold open of this episode, we pick right back up from last time. Mio confesses her love for Wataru while Taiga is out of sight. But Wataru, still having some self-esteem issues or perhaps not wanting to come between Taiga and Mio, denies that Mio could possibly love someone like himself.
0: I wonder if part of that is because he feels that his duties and responsibilities for Kiva, and like, you know, his non-humanness is something that he feels odd about. I wonder if that's something that comes into play
1: uh, in his thought process. Like it's something to deal with uh, the classic superhero problem of I have so many enemies. If if they figure out who I am, they'll they'll harm the people I love. Yeah, and and like
0: he already knows that at least one person, Bishop, knows who he is.
1: Yeah, that's quite true.
0: Not, not to mention that Neo just keeps on getting just sucker punched nonstop. Like it's horrible, but it's kind of hilarious. Oh! Like somebody needs to make a supercut of how many Kiva fights start with somebody with a fan guy just cold clocking Mio from off screen.
1: She's the fucking queen. You'd think she'd be more durable. I mean, I, I guess not in her human form. Yeah, it's
0: just it's something I just noticed this episode, which has been going on for a while. Cause it's just like. Bradley Geiger pops up and punches her in the face. (laughs) And the other one just grabs her and throws her into a tree. Yeah. I sure she's been thrown into trees like four or five times by now. Oh, totally. Do you think maybe she's not being knocked out? Instead, she just has narcolepsy and it occurs at the worst possible moments.
1: Mayo apologizes for making things awkward and then says that she doesn't need a response immediately. Then the OP crashes through the wall, Kool-Aid man style. At Wataru's house, our soft boys cook some pasta for Shizuka, Kivat, and Tatsalot. They dig in, but are disgusted when Wataru reveals that he used leftover varnish material as an ingredient. Wataru then flashes back to the time in which Taiga confided in him that Mio had someone else she liked. When Wataru brought out the pasta, I thought he was actually super stoked that Mio revealed that He's the one she likes.
0: I mean I I think he is, but like it's conflicting emotions, you know, like the girl he likes likes him back, but his best friend is engaged to her. He is happy, like that's why he made his varnish pasta. But at the same time, he's like, but I'm also betraying my brother. Like not he doesn't know he's his brother, but they're like, you know, friend brothers.
1: Next scene, is telling Bishop about all this love triangle nonsense. Bishop asks if the object of Mio's affections is Wataru Kurenai.
0: Bishop was so psyched last episode. He was so psyched up. He was hopped up. And then he finds out that fucking Kurenai Wataru is just ruining everything for him. Wataru does not get any ice cream. He is not being saved a place at the ice cream social.
1: Indeed. Bishop goes on to say that it doesn't matter and that Taiga should just kill Wataru, but Taiga says he can't do it because Wataru's his friend. Though, what happens later seems to suggest he doesn't really consider him a friend.
0: Yeah, it, I, I think I think Taiga sees him more as a pet than anything. It's like a little animal he lets follow him around.
1: Cut to Cafe Maldemore, where Taiga hands an invitation to his, to his and Mio's wedding over to Wataru. Taiga tells Wataru to stop pursuing Mio, and he starts to leave. Wataru stops him and says that he won't give up on her. Taiga backhands him and rather coldly tells Wataru that he's weak and has been weak ever since he was young.
0: That's a scene. Thank God Wataru has, like, at least a modicum of self-respect now, because if that was early season Watcheru, that would have just been it for him. Yeah. Hell, if this was Wataru from, like, five episodes ago, that might have been it for him.
1: He would have hung up the mantle of Kiva and died a virgin in a hole somewhere.
0: I mean he would have I mean eventually he would have evolved the Common Rider Wizard. Because everyone knows if you're a virgin by 30, you become a wizard.
1: Oh no! Oh no, I'm about to become a wizard.
0: Oh. I mean, well that, that's the plot of Common Rider Wizard. It's this man who's never had sex and he just gets awesome magical powers.
1: Seriously? No. Oh.
0: No, in that that show, Magical Powers are manifestations of your internal trauma. It's such a fascinating show, and I'm sad that more people don't like it.
1: Anyway, we time-zitioned to 1986, where one of the rat fangiers is wreaking havoc on a crowd of people. Yuri comes running in and starts fighting it. It clobbers her, but Otoya runs in. Yuri tries shoving Otoya away and rushing the rat again, but to little effect. Yuri then wrestles the Iksa knuckle off from Otoya and gives chase after the rat.
0: I love how to transform you need the Iksa knuckle, but the belt just appears on you if you have the knuckle, which I find kind of funny. Because like, they make a big deal of like, oh no, we lost the knuckle! And it's like, okay, but where's the belt?
1: <laughs> Yuri catches up to the rat fangire and henchings into proto-Iksa. She fights the rat a bit, but the Iksa Knuckle ends up overheating and forcing her out of the transformed state while also re- rendering her unconscious. So
0: I have a little headcanon as to why it overheated so quickly. It's in response
1: to the user's emotional state.
0: Well, partially, that, and also because she's so hyped up on anger and sadness, she's not paying attention to her movements. And so instead of it being like clean and efficient, she's just wasting so much energy with with each move. So like she's just burning through the like capacitors or whatever of Ixa too quickly.
1: Before the Rat Fangir can deliver the coup de gras, an energy blast knocks him off. Maya comes walking in and says that there's no need to kill Yuri since she has already taken something from her that is more important than her life. The Rat Fangir still tries going through with it. Maya then telekinetically yoinks the rat off of Yuri and steps on him, dominatrix-style, while chiding him for his defiance of his queen. She then walks off while the rat yells, Yuris and I!
0: Forgivable!
1: The scene was okay. I did kind of enjoy how Yuri uh, employed more kicks in her fighting style than uh, how other Ixia users have fought.
0: Alright, right, so I have a question for you. Yep. Do you think Maya saved yuri because she was being like cruel and evil and like i've already taken so much from her or do you think she was covering for the fact that she kind of likes atoya and doesn't want him to be sad at yuri dying
1: not quite more closer to the latter but i think it's out of genuine pity for yuri maya's created the circumstances that are that are going to break yuri's heart pretty soon i suspect
0: and her heart's already broken
1: it may be a bit out of, a bit for Otoya's sake, but I think it's mostly out of pity for Yuri. In 2008, having received a message from Watru asking to meet, Mio takes a seat at a bench. Unbeknownst to her, however, a rat is sneaking up on her. I need this cold clocker.
0: It's become a meme in my brain after 10 minutes of thinking about it. I know it's horrible, but just the idea of cold-clocking Mio and her falling unconscious is hilarious to me. It's horrible, I know, but...
1: It happens so much, it becomes funny. Wataru henchings into Kiva and tackles the rat away from Mio. All the while, Mio doesn't notice anything. Taking advantage of this, Taya walks up and tells Mio that Wataru won't be coming.
0: Have you seen Jojo Part 4? Nope. Uh, there's a part where uh, two characters are fighting in the rain and like one of them is just like screaming and shouting like, oh, how dare you? And the other one's like causing explosions and stuff. And then like a block away, his un- his his uncle is like being like, huh, the rain sounds like Josuke. <laughs> there, there's so many good edits of this. Like uh, there's this one uh, anime that like had this scene of the of the people like listening to the rain and like seeing how beautiful it is and like they replaced the sound of like beautiful raindrops with josuke screaming <laughs> relaxing 1 hour of josuke screaming
1: josuke screaming asmr it's
0: so it's such it's so good because like i i believe that's like a little bit of a mistranslation i think the blind is meant to be oh, I thought I heard Josuke, it must have been nothing or something like that. But instead it's translated as, the rain sounds like Josuke. Ah!
1: I mean, it's funnier that way. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) Taiga, taking advantage of Mio failing her perception check, he walks up and tells Mio that Wataru won't be coming. He then demands to know what's so good about Wataru and goes on to talk shit about him by calling him a failure among humans.
0: We're getting to see a bit of the hypocrisy in Taiga's character. Because he, he treats Swatru like an equal. He treats him like a good friend. But like this is pro- I believe this is just what he actually thinks of him. He was just like a pity project. Or a remnant from before he was indoctrinated to Fangire culture.
1: Back at Kiba's fight against the Rat, we see that the Rat Fangire has been joined by two of his doubles or brothers... They defeat Kiva and force Wataru out of his transformation, and then they run off because Fangar's never really killed main characters.
0: Well, I mean, I, I was about to say I don't mind that they run off without killing him because he doesn't want to kill Kiva. He doesn't give a shit about Wataru. All he wants to do is, like, get revenge on the concept of the queen.
1: Uh, on the office him of...
0: 22 years ago.
1: On the office of queen. Yeah. He He just... Wants to break the ch- the throne she sits on.
0: He he wants to break the chain. The world is in fact Black Death stage.
1: Cut to Cafe Maldemore where Megami me is enjoying a quiet afternoon coffee break.
0: Another completely horror. This like this is hilarious, but it's packed between such emotionally charged moments. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they started at the same minute mark.
1: I know, right? KSK runs in with the Iksa knuckle in hand. He hurriedly asks Boss for some tape and thumbtacks, which he then pastes onto the Ixa knuckle, while outlining, out loud, to himself, a petty scheme to inflict a minor thumbtack-induced injury on Kengo whenever he next uses Iksa.
0: He's like Saturday morning cartoon villain yeah yes i'll take the thumbtacks to see and i'll put them on the eeksy knuckle you see and then i'll grab the eeksy knuckle but still be thumbtacks on it so he'll have thumbtacks in his hand hey <laughs> yeah. also boss has just so many thumbtacks right next to where he makes coffee that's weird yeah not even in a drawer and not even in a covered box
1: both Boss and Megami back away from KSK in disgust.
0: I love how before they would be, like, afraid of KSK and, like, his attitude, but now they're just like, ugh.
1: As KSK finishes taping the thumbtacks onto the knuckle, Kango appears behind him and punches his face onto the counter, which gets a bunch of thumbtacks lodged into it. Which is so
0: horrifying, because, like, I know people are like, oh, thumbtacks, they're small. Thing is, no, they're not. It's like, it's, like ha- it's like half an inch of steel sticking into your face. Yeah. Some of them were on his nose. One was near his eye.
1: Yeah. If it got in his eye, ugh. We cut back to Mio and Taiga and away from the shenanigree. Taiga sadly says that if Mio insists on loving a human, then the responsibility of executing her falls to him. He starts to take off his glove, but before he can do anything, the rat fangires come rushing in with Wataru still trying to keep them off of Mio. Wataru, being in human form, gets the shit kicked out of him.
0: Uh, So, I'm gonna say this, like, Taiga does start talking about how weak humans are, but he does say, so that's where you were, Wataru, protecting Mio from the shadows, which also has the implication that he thinks Wataru's just been bare-knuckle boxing with fangires Nonstop, which creates a very funny image
1: the scarf wearing lad just knocking the teeth out of <laughs> yeah, this, the-
0: this theater kid just like punching pe- punching fangires in the face
1: yeah Watchers getting the shit kicked out of him and while this is going down taiga lectures mio about how weak humans are and how they're incompatible with fangires Through the pain, Watu shouts at the top of his lungs that he loves Mio and that he will not allow the rats to harm her. Unfortunately, he gets knocked unconscious by the rats, but big points for the effort. Taiga henshin's into Saga and fights off the rats as they advance on Mio. One of their number is intent on carrying out a grudge against the Fengire Queen, or not even Maya, just, just the Office of Queen.
0: Listen, I have no idea where the fuck Maya went. I heard rumor she's, like, living in a cave. I don't want to fuck with that. But I will beat up the next queen who has done literally nothing to me.
1: In 1986 Castle Duran, the king of that era asks Maya if she knows Otoya Karenai. She confirms that she does, prompting the king to point Zanbat at her.
0: Yeah, and he he asks, uh, did you fall in love with that human? And she just goes, what if I did? Which, like... This is the man who ordered the genocide of so many races. Maybe don't
1: test him? Instead of killing Maya, however, he throws the sword into the wall, where it remained until 2008. When Maya asks if that was a wise thing to do with such a powerful relic, King tells her that if he kept a hold on it, he would have killed her with it. And if he killed her, it would mean that he loved her, an emotion that he denies having.
0: That's actually a really baller line. You have to admit, that's just a cool way to be introduced into the series.
1: Yeah, and to introduce, this this is a bad dude, but he's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, and he looks like David Bowie.
1: In 2008, Wataru regains consciousness and sees Jiro standing above him. Jiro offers him another chance to draw the Zonbot sword, which he takes. This time, Watsu successfully draws it, but is driven berserk by the sword's power. In a frenzy, he attacks the arms monsters. They kind of dodge-roll a- around for a bit, but Jiro figures out that they can serve as a limiter to the Zonbot's power. They each assume their monster forms and then their weapon forms.
0: Well, not, not quite their weapon forms. There's like a in-between state that's like, that looks like a little statuette.
1: Yeah, they then combine into a Kivat-like creature that clamps its jaw along the blade, limiting its power and restoring Wataru's sanity.
0: Yeah. All right, so I want to say something that I kind of like that's not immediately obvious, but something you can kind of read into, but the Zanvat sword picks its wielders, right? Yeah. Think about who the previous wielders were, the Fang Iron Kinks. Right. This isn't a sword that picks wielders based on, oh, they're strong and just. It's like, oh yeah, no, I will I will allow the person who wants to fuck shit up the most to wield me. Which is why when Watcher was just trying normally, probably thinking about like Mio and people he cares about or something, it failed. But when he went by and was like, I really need to kill these Rat fanguiers. the Zanvat sword was like, alright, let's fucking go, bitch. <laughs> Yeah. And like why it drove him berserk, because it's it's not a holy sword, it's not Excalibur, it's it's like a demonic sword. Right. Yeah, it's Graham, basically.
1: In a random forest, Saga is still fighting the Rat Fengiers while trying to protect Mio. Mio gets her head bonked against a tree by a rat, like she does. Wataru comes striding in with the Zombot, he henchings into Emperor Kiva and wields the Zombot sword to great effect. He does this cool thing where he slides the the royal key bat, as I'm going to call it. Yeah, it's called the zanbat bat. Oh, okay.
0: A- apparently, in like, uh, it's it's like zanbato bato, like just the way that it's pronounced in Japanese. So it's meant to be like a little bit of alliteration, I think.
1: Yeah, he does that this cool thing where he slides the Zonbot bat along the length of the blade, like he's priming it for a strike. And it's really cool.
0: I love it so much. Like, I fucking love the Zonvat sword. It's just cool. There's no other word for it.
1: Uh, yeah, he, he kicks the shit out of the Fangars with it. But he gets attacked by Saga for his trouble. Fortunately, with the Zanbat sword, Kiva easily downs Saga. But... Mio assumes her fengar form and blasts Kiva with a bunch of pearls, turning him back into Wataru. Shocked, Mio recognizes her boy. This is so good. Yep. Mio recognizes her boy, and she goes back into her own human form as Saga turns back into Taiga. The episode ends with all the points of the love triangle now aware of each other's identities.
0: Uh, Also, also, I want to say my favorite part about the... uh about, you know, like, when he uh, primes the blade and stuff, is when he does his ultimate attack.
1: One beast, plus, two beast
0: And, like, but, like, then it, like, uh... Like, the red that goes up, and then he puts it down, the red stays, slash, 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 up, then down, like, sheathing a sword, and then, like, a samurai movie... Explosions of blood, slash, stained glass.
1: But, yeah, this moves us to our ratings... I'll go ahead and give my writer of the week and... He would do anything for love. He'll He'll even even get get his ass
0: beat by rats.
1: Just like that. My writer of the week's Wateru.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Because he drew the Zonvat sword and used... I love the Zonvat sword so much. It's the coolest weapon.
1: It's pretty dope.
0: Like, I think this might have just been my imagination, but for some reason... I imagined him like putting the bat on the top and swinging it like an axe. But I think that might have just been my imagination. But imagine if he did that.
1: It's pretty dope. Uh my monster of the week, on the other hand, is Taiga. He's going pretty rapidly into Yandere territory. Yeah, he 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 kinda of
0: sucks. He's like, hey, Watcher, you're horrible. No one would ever love you. Hey, Mio, Watcher's like the worst of all humans. <sighs> I I don't like Taiga right now. Like, he can be charming sometimes, but not now.
1: Yeah. So, Tarakona, I am giving the reverse devil to the love triangle situation. To be more specific, when it comes to Taiga and Mio, Mio and Wataru finally admit that they love each other, and Mio herself is breaking free of the negative influence of Taiga. When reversed, that's what the devil represents— Freedom from con- constraining forces and for the episode rating I'm giving it a seven out of 10. this was another pretty solid offering the plot's picking up momentum we get a new power up which is usually a way of uh, bumping up my episode ratings the rat fangure's motivation was pretty dumb though they were just as we noted before angry at the office of queen as opposed to the individual queen
0: they're the fangire guy, guy Fox. But for me, I'm giving it a nine out of ten. I don't care if the if the uh, if the motivation was stupid. He got the Zanvat sword, like primed it one piece, two. Piece. It was so f- it perfect. Such such a good fight scene, and then the like the high immediately going down when like Neo goes and like attacks Kiva and you think, oh, it's just going to be another situation of them like going their separate ways, but no, he de and, and they all see each other.
1: The moment of shock is what caused everyone to just sort of lose the will to fight and just gawk and, and dumbfounded. Surprise, yeah.
0: It, it's good. It, it, it The ending is very solid.
1: Yep, quite so. But speaking of endings, that's the end of this episode of Common Rider AA, or Double A, or you, you know the drill.
0: We have no idea what this podcast is actually called.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you like the sound of our voices.
0: don't know why you would.
1: I mean, I know I have a sexy voice.
0: You have the sexiest voice, Adam.
1: Yes, thank you. See, you can find us on Twitter at double underscore common. You can find me, Adam, also on another podcast called Pokemon Primeval. It's an actual play tabletop rpg podcast where we uh posit what the world of pokemon would have been like across different eras uh anna where can we find you you can
0: find me in the woods lamenting the fact that both my children are fighting each other without knowing the other's true identity uh besides that though someday in the future who knows how far into the future you will be able to find me on not another dxd podcast A podcast which I promise someday will be released. Uh, But before it's released, what you can do is email us at notanotherdxdpod at gmail.com. And if you email us before the first episode comes out, you get free access to our OnlyFans. It's it's not even a one-time deal. Like, as many people that email is as many people that get free access.
1: Right. Well, you heard it here first, the... Big OnlyFans is just using its sock puppet, and that puppet's name is Anna. Trying to get you all to sub, because once you've subbed to her, then, uh...
0: It's, it's the gate it's the gateway drug.
1: Yes. See, she admits it.
0: Also, we are halfway through season one of High School DXC, and we have not released that first episode. God,
1: get on it, woman.
0: Our anyway. editor, Jason, is trying very hard. Okay. But their hardest, apparently, is not... I'm calling you out, Jason.
1: Anyway, it's time to hen Sheen out of here. All right. Hen! Street.